Today we meet a young entrepreneur who has made incredible things happen in just 10 years. At 26, Xu Kaiwei was still working as a waiter. Now 37, he owns a Korean barbecue and is turning massive profits every month. We spoke to him about his career, how he struggled through running a night market stall, and how the support of a Korean chef helped him set up his own business. Streaky pork cutlets sizzle on the plate before going on a charcoal grill and then getting finished off with a blowtorch until lightly caramelised. With a little salt and pepper, the char-grilled pork is ready. Or how about a squid with Korean barbecue sauce? Fried, baked and finally torched to perfection. When dinner time arrives, this Korean barbecue joint is inundated with orders. The chefs are working flat out. Behind it all is 37-year-old founder Xu Kaiwei, whose Korean cuisine has won many loyal customers. I spent almost a whole year just on planning this place. We made lots of visits to Korea, even getting in touch with a local Korean chef. He personally gave us a lot of guidance in Korea, like lots of our sauces and our dishes are secret recipes that he gave us. Our turnover this month has been gradually reviving, and we've now hit the goal of a monthly turnover of 4 million NT. In his early 20s, Shu was just a humble waiter doing odd jobs. At the age of 26, he borrowed 200,000 NT from his mother and set up a small stall in a night market. When I was 24 or 25, I was always working for other people. But like most young people, I felt very lost, wondering what I should do with myself. Would I be able to find a place for myself? I started from my stall in the night market. After I'd been running it a while, my parents were still very worried. They would come and watch from the sidelines and see how I was doing. But they didn't come and bother me. And when they'd seen enough, they'd go home. And when I saw them, I also felt very grateful to them. Back when I worked in the night market, I would get there at about 2 p.m. to start getting ready, and I'd be working till 2 or 3 a.m. Shu has come a long way since he was grilling Japanese omelettes and frying chicken cutlets in a night market. In just 10 years, his business has flourished. He saved up 5 million NT and carved a space for himself in the big world of barbecue. For over a decade, colon cancer has taken the top spot among cancer cases in Taiwan. There are 17,302 sufferers of colon cancer in the nation, according to the most recent data from 2019. That's a daily average of 47 people diagnosed with the disease. As the Mid-Autumn Festival approaches, families are making preparations for the traditional barbecues. And nutritionists are offering some pointers about healthy cooking. Nutritionists say to first peel the skin off the meat and then it's sufficient to brush the meat just once with barbecue sauce. And they also suggest using less butter and removing the blackened parts of the meat. People should also try to drink sugar-free beverages whenever possible and eat more vegetables with their meal to stay healthy over the festival. A pig roast is a classic feast for indigenous peoples in Nanto. It's a mid-autumn tradition to gather the whole community for delicious pork barbecue. But since the pandemic, you can now order a family-sized portion of pig to enjoy at home. Last year, the ban on gatherings due to COVID led pig roasters to broaden their offerings. Now people across Taiwan can enjoy a little slice of Nanto 
from home. A giant pig hangs on a bar. It's skin roasted caramel brown and looking deliciously crispy. Roast pig is a traditional delicacy among the indigenous peoples of Nuntol. Every year at mid-autumn festival, home roast parties are a big deal. One pig can feed 30 or 40 guests. The county government helped pig roast experts adapt to the challenges of COVID by turning roasts into takeaway boxes full of local produce that diners can enjoy at home. The main thing is takeaway boxes can be more accessible. You don't necessarily have to hold a big event. Everybody can get a takeaway box, even a small family with not many people. Last year, at the height of the pandemic, outdoor barbecues and gatherings were banned over mid-autumn festival. Pig roasters had no business, so they developed new services, for example, offering vacuum-wrapped pork. A big slice goes into the bag, which gets vacuum-sealed in the machine to extend its shelf life. This could be a centrepiece for any family meal. We're bringing the real taste into the takeaway boxes. My idea is the flavor shouldn't be too different. It still has the original temperature and texture. Now you can take a meal from Nantou to your home anywhere in Taiwan. Vacuum-wrapped roast pig is just another of the unexpected side effects of COVID. Amid rising concerns over the upcoming COVID wave, Taipei is making preparations for the surge. Hospitals in the city with 500 beds or more have been asked to reserve 10% of them to serve as enhanced quarantine facilities. That's a total of 510 dedicated rooms. The city has also asked local government agencies to boost vaccine coverage. As with last year, the city's ban on barbecues at Riverside Parks will remain in place this mid-autumn festival. Violators will face fines of up to 6,000 NT. Officials say they will also monitor the enforcement of CECC guidelines more closely during the long weekend. For instance, rules on toasting at banquets. People caught singing karaoke without a face mask could see fines of up to 15,000 NT. Health experts say Taiwan will see a peak in COVID infections next week, fueled by the BA5 Omicron subvariant. With the mid-autumn festival around the corner, family cookouts and other barbecue gatherings could end up becoming a hotbed for infection. Some doctors say that taking rapid tests before meeting up for a group meal can minimize the risk of infection. Others say that though Taiwan will see large daily infection tallies, the severity of the disease in most cases should be mild. The mid-autumn festival long weekend is just around the corner. It's a time when many people return to their hometowns. According to the Taiwan High-Speed Rail, more than 376,000 tickets have been booked before and after the holiday. Health officials had originally predicted a peak in COVID infections next week, driven by the BA5 subvariant. Experts offer advice on how to minimize the risk of infection during the break. You might not know the people you're having a meal with well. You don't know how their health has been recently. You just don't know. If you spend three or four hours together chatting and eating, that puts you at a higher risk. It's best if you, first of all, have meals with people you know well. And second of all, with people who are aware of their health condition. It's even better if they have done a rapid test recently. Doctors say people with symptoms should do a rapid test before having a barbecue with friends. 
They remind travelers that a previous COVID infection does not make the body immune to the disease. A doctor on Sunday took to social media to raise awareness about reinfection risks. He says that up to 25 out of 100 people who get infected by the BA5 subvariant may have previously been infected with COVID. And even next-gen vaccines offer just 70% to 80% immunity against BA5, meaning getting the shot does not reduce the risk of infection to zero. Taipei Veterans General Hospital Vice Superintendent Li Weiqiang says the bulk of infections in the upcoming BA5 wave will be adults who socialize and are in contact with other people for work. Although there will be a lot of infections and the infection rate will be very high, the infections won't be very severe. It'll mostly be mild. Another doctor says that although the coming wave will result in many infections, most patients will experience just mild symptoms. He says vaccines are still a great way to reduce the severity of COVID infections. The CECC has announced an easing of border restrictions. Starting September 12th, travelers from dozens of countries will once again be allowed to enter Taiwan without a visa. That's travelers from the US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the UK, Ireland, countries in Europe's Schengen area, and Taiwan's 14 diplomatic allies. The current quarantine regulations will remain in place, however. Let's hear from the CCC. Starting next Monday, that is September 12th, we will resume visa-free entry for travelers from the US, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, Europe and Taiwan's diplomatic allies. All other border control and quarantine measures remain in place. Weekly arrivals are still capped at 50,000. Saliva PCR tests will still be conducted upon arrival in Taiwan, and travelers must still quarantine following the 3 plus 4 model. These countries have all resumed visa-free entry privileges for Taiwan nationals. Under the visa-free entry, travelers can do business, take part in expos, carry out inspections, conduct international exchanges, go sightseeing, visit friends and relatives, and take part in social gatherings. They can do all this without having to apply for any special permits. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs says that travelers coming to Taiwan for any other activities or whose stays exceed the visa extent period must apply for any necessary permits from Taiwan's representative offices. The easing of border restrictions comes as local COVID cases start to go up again in Taiwan, driven by the BA5 subvariant. The CCC reported 23,931 local cases on Monday, a rise of 20 percent from Monday last week. A new TV series is bringing indigenous Taiwanese literature together with nature footage to give audiences a new view of life in Taiwan. Flying Over Summit and Sea is produced by the Council of Indigenous Peoples and features works from many indigenous authors. We spoke to two of the writers about what the series means for them. A drone floats over the mountains, surveying the majestic forests of Taiwan. This is the first episode of Flying Over Summit and Sea, a series by the Council of Indigenous Peoples, which pairs indigenous Taiwanese languages and literature with scenic vistas. Indigenous authors have been invited to read their works for the series. I published a book called Ichinguru Ichagaras using the Latin script. 
I did so so that we can pass on literature in our language onto our children. I also wanted it to be an inspiration to others so that more people can support indigenous literature. Author Rangalu Tarulyayas is Paiwan and says that a language must live and breathe to be able to survive. Using the Latin alphabet to write down his language, he created a literary sensation full of unique references to indigenous culture. Another key part of the program is how it shows off the authentic scenes of both the natural world and life in the villages of the mountains. This show takes the audience on a journey over the earth and the ocean, just like a bird. It combines enjoying the beauty of the scenery with the beauty of literature. It really allows you to enter fully into the spirit of the literary world of the indigenous peoples. Thanks to drones, we can fly over in the air. We can see the places where we grew up from altitudes we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. The series was directed by Tu Wenchen, featuring works by authors from seven indigenous people groups, including the Atayal, Bunan, Paiwan, and Puyuma. The first episode will be broadcast on November 19th. The CIP hopes it will introduce people to both the languages and the artistic spirit of Taiwan's indigenous peoples. A court has ruled that a local cram school must pay 6.23 million NT to a local university as part of compensation in a trademark lawsuit over the cram school's name. The two parties involved are National Taiwan University, which is locally known as Taida, and TDA Education Institute, which is called Taida Mingming in Mandarin. The study center says it has been using the name since its founding in 1971, more than a decade before NTU had trademarked Taida. We're at Taipei Main Station, where a local cram school has been using the word Taida in its Mandarin name for many decades. Recently, National Taiwan University decided to sue the business over the name, claiming 10 million NT in compensation. NTU has entered a legal battle with TDA Education Institute over its image and trademark. Over all these years, TDA Education Institute has never used NTU's name as a way to attract students. Their efforts are fully their own. Their teachers and employees have brought up students for more than half a century. This decision is really shocking. The study center was established in 1972 and has two main brands, one focusing on social sciences and the other on medicine. After two changes in ownership, the center was renamed TDA Education Institute, or in Chinese, Taida Mingming. It even has its own jingle. <laughs> Two of the verses in the song say the study center is a springboard to get accepted into NTU. The song has been a critical element of the legal battle. The center says it has a case, as it was founded in 1972, and NTU didn't register trademarks such as NTU or Taida until 1983. The study center says its usage of Taida in its Mandarin materials is fair, but the case has been rejected by the judiciary, which has ruled that TDA Education Institute must pay 6.23 million NT in compensation to NTU. The ruling can be appealed. The people involved in this lawsuit are keeping a low profile. People in our association have tried to call them to no avail. TDA Education Institute did not offer comment to reporters. Meanwhile, NTU says its brand image is a result of the efforts of many educators, administrators and colleagues over the years, adding that it shouldn't be taken advantage of by others.
President Tsai Ing-wen on Monday sat with Tuvalu Prime Minister Kasia Natano, who is on a state visit to Taiwan since Saturday. Natano was greeted with a military salute at the presidential office, after which he attended a state banquet. During her welcome address, Tsai thanked Tuvalu for speaking up on Taiwan's behalf on the international stage. Let's hear what she said. I would like to extend special thanks to Prime Minister Natano, as well as to the people and government of Tuvalu, for continuing to voice support for Taiwan on the international stage. On behalf of all the people of Taiwan, I extend my heartfelt gratitude to Tuvalu for its invaluable friendship. Opening remarks, Tsai said that Tuvalu was Taiwan's first diplomatic ally in the Pacific, saying that the two sides could continue to discuss ways of strengthening the bilateral relationship. Natano asserted that his country would continue to uphold its long-standing relationship with Taiwan amid the current geopolitical challenges in the region. On Monday, the executive yuan held a conference with industry leaders to discuss challenges and the future direction of the biotech industry. Officials say investment in the sector is growing amid cooperation with government agencies. At the event, an FDA official was asked about the government's policies on Chinese food imports, dozens of which have recently been found to contain harmful substances. He said the government was considering imposing an import ban on affected Chinese food products. Quanta Computer Chairman Barry Lam, Gemtech Chairman Howard Chen, and others attended the Executive Yuan's Bio-Taiwan Committee meeting on Monday to discuss the future of Taiwan's biotechnology industry. Taiwan has the skills and technology, but applying these things to the medical industry remains a challenge for the country's IT sector. If we don't make changes to our tech sector business models, we will become like useless heroes. President Tsai Ing-wen attaches a lot of importance to the biotechnology industry. It's one of the six core strategic industries described in the 5 plus 2 Innovative Industries Policy, and the most crucial area of development in the policy. Since 2017, the government has invested 40 billion NT into improving this development ecosystem. The Executive UN has brought resources from different government departments together toward promoting medical smart services and solutions. It has also worked with the private sector, which last year invested more than 700 billion NT into biomedicine and digital medical services. Meanwhile, concerns have been expressed over problematic Chinese food imports, which have included mushrooms, pumpkins, lily buds, and seeds. So far this year, authorities have found 68 shipments of Chinese food products that contain traces of pesticides and other banned substances. However, Taiwan's FDA has not banned any Chinese foods from import, causing objections from some members of the public. Aside from sending back these shipments, we will start increasing inspections. The most serious course of action we may take would be to inspect every shipment from China one by one. If we really don't see any improvements from Chinese exporters, we won't rule out imposing bans. Health Minister Xue Ruiyuan said Chinese authorities have promised improvements, but if those are not met, the FDA may start banning some Chinese foods from import. 
Typhoon Hinamnor has brought much-needed rain to Taiwan, sending water levels at some reservoirs soaring to nearly full capacity. Typhoons have largely avoided Taiwan this year, and rainfall has been lower than past annual averages. The situation has brought some of Taiwan's reservoirs to their knees. Though most reservoirs have made gains during the weekend, Jilong Xingsan Reservoir is now at about 33% capacity. Authorities say they will enlist the help of other reservoirs and pumping stations to get it back to safe levels. Typhoon Hanamnor has brought plentiful rain to Taiwan's mountains, as much as 421 million tons of water expected to be added to the country's reservoir. This is just over the capacity of New Taipei's Feitui Reservoir, which, along with Taoyuan's Shermen Reservoir, received the greatest deposits of water from the typhoon. The two reservoirs gain a combined 100 million tons of water, bringing them to 97.5% and 80.7% capacity, respectively. Jilong River has also saw its water level surge upstream, but the city's hard-hit Xinshan Reservoir received very little water and now sits at 33% capacity. The Water Resources Agency said this was due to the type of reservoir that Xinshan is. Xinshan is an off-stream reservoir and its catchment area is relatively small. Its main source of water is the pumping station in Badu. The water is sent from there to the reservoir for storage. As an off-stream reservoir, Xinshan's catchment area is small. The reservoir mostly relies on the Badu pumping station, which pumps 210,000 tons of water into it each day. However, currently 130,000 tons of that water is being pumped directly into Xinshan's water treatment plant daily, and then sent to homes in the city for use. This leaves only 80,000 tons being pumped into the reservoir for storage per day. Regarding the water treatment, I hope that other treatment plants can help out. In that way, most of the water from the pumping station can go directly into the reservoir. In a bid to bring up Xinchan's water level, the Water Resources Agency has asked other treatment plants to lend a hand. Fortunately, Typhoon Hinamnor has brought plenty of rain to Taiwan, and authorities expect reservoirs to be at high levels by the end of November.